Well, hello and welcome to the Living Legacy Podcast, the heart of senior care. Through this show, we'll be looking to answer the intricate questions around the senior living industry, from the obstacles of living at home or caring for a loved one at home, to the detailed process of moving into and living in a senior care facility. We're your hosts, Corey Carroll, the Business Office Manager at Minnowood Retirement Community. And Emily Barges, Director of Community Relations at Minnowood. Join us as we discuss these various topics together and with some experts in the industry. Our goal with the show is to bring hope, inspiration, and a little bit of insight to the world of senior care. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Well, hey everybody, welcome back to the Living Legacy Podcast, the heart of senior care. As always, we are your hosts, Corey Carroll the business office manager here at Minnowood Retirement Community. And Emily Barges, Director of Community Relations at Minnowood. We are honored to be joined by Ms. Katie McDonough from the Director of Programs and Services for the Alzheimer's Association here in this district. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. So I'd love to talk about one more more statistic um, before we move forward. Um, And and maybe there's a quick answer to this. Maybe it's a little bit lengthy as well. But so the number of deaths nationally of, of Alzheimer's is projected to increase Eleven percent uh, in a four by eleven percent by twenty twenty five. So, what what do you think we would owe that increase to? Right? Is there specific things? Is a, is it a major? Is it a you know kind of a range of different things? What are we owing that increase to? So many of us know um, we've been waiting for a long time for the, what we call this um, aging tsunami to come, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. And um, yeah. we've been talking about it for 15, 20 years. Um, well, we're here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the tsunami is here. And mm. um, our baby boom generation, wow. one of the largest generations um, in a very long time in this country, is now aging sure. um, into the, uh, later life. Mm-hmm. And so we know that your risk for Alzheimer's significantly increases. Um, at the age of 65 and even more so at the age of 85. Um, So part of this is due to those aging, uh, those age demographics, right? That we have an aging aging society, an aging population. I think um, also some of this is due to the fact that we are um, thankfully increasing awareness more about the disease. Um, And so we are seeing folks um, being diagnosed more, um, which is, and we're also seeing diversity in in the diagnoses, Um, you know, you know, not even a decade ago, being diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia, for example, which yeah. is another a significant type of dementia, was unheard of. Right. Lewy body dementia, unheard of. Mm-hmm. And so I think... Um, like I said, those are a little bit more of the severe types, so you want to kind of be able to diagnose and, and recognize those. Right, and they have different about. signs and symptoms, sure. right? You yeah. know, they're early... Not, not all of the early signs and symptoms of dementia for different types of dementia is short-term memory loss. That is the hallmark of the early sign of yeah. Alzheimer's. But those other dementias have different early signs sure, yeah. um, or can have different early yeah. signs. So I think um, we are diagnosing more, but I think with we still have a very significant gap to fill in the number of people who are just living with this disease, thinking it's normal part of aging. Right. It's just what right. happens. I mean, you know, runs in my family and this, you know, I am the first generation that really ha- doesn't talk about, we'll say, oh, this is not a normal part of aging. Sure. I mean, in my yeah. family, it was always yeah. it's just what happens this in our family yeah. when people get yeah. old, they get dementia. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, um, we're learning more and more that there are different ways that we can intervene. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like you said that to, but then that's a part of the awareness, right? To understand that, hey, this is hereditary 
here in our family. This is a part mm-hmm. of this is a part of the, the McDonough family, right? So yeah. so you know to go and, and do those blood tests and to do those things that may help you in the future, right? To understand it a little Absolutely. bit earlier, right? Absolutely. Um, I'm kind of curious. Like we talked about different reasons why it's it's important to kind of get early, yeah. um, but something that you kind of notice on the on the facts and figures is the impact on caregiving and caregivers. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so over 11 million Americans provide unpaid care to people with Alzheimer's or other Ooh. dementia. Um, and I think that we've got the tsunami coming in. Do you, I mean, in my opinion, I, I just feel like if you were to catch it sooner, you can plan sooner. Yeah, um, absolutely. And kind of that importance of, of as a senior living facility like ours, I mean, we, ha- we only have a certain amount of rooms for like a memory care unit. Right. Um, right. And just thinking that, you know, if you kind of get to that stage, if it's a progressive disease, that finding out and kind of planning it and keeping track of it is, is so important in that kind of planning for the future. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and we know that um, that 11 million Americans that you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, they provide over 16 billion hours of Ooh. care. Um, at, which is estimated at two hundred and seventy-two billion dollars every year. Um, and that, that's and free. So, that's that's estimated yeah. to be valued at, right? Right. So right. Kind of, yeah, right. So, because because most people who are living with Alzheimer's. Um, are living in at home, right? Mm-hmm. They're yeah. living mm-hmm. with family members, yeah. and those folks are providing care. Yeah. They're often, <clears throat> you know, as the disease progresses, you all know very well the need for care to in- increase. Yeah. Yeah. And for those who don't have the financial means um, to put their loved one, or simply prefer to keep their loved sure. one at home, yeah, sure. that um, that leads to all kinds of health problems. And and I'll and I'll even say, you know, having loved ones who have lived their final days in assisted living and long-term care, you know, the caregiving role in the family doesn't switch off, right? Sure, you know, yeah. they're still a partner yeah. in that care. Absolutely. And so um, that it can impact them as well. But, you know, their, their, their health is deteriorating very mm-hmm. often because they're skipping yeah. um, their own health care appointments to care for their loved one. There might mm-hmm. not be someone there to watch them, um, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and, and the stress of, of that role. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we see many caregivers who um, lose their own lives before their loved one with dementia because of the impact of that caregiving role. Um, So we, um, a lot of the research that we fund is looking at the impact um, on caregivers. Um, And ultimately, you're right. We want to be able to diagnose earlier, regardless of where the science is at right now, we want to diagnose earlier so that folks have more time to plan for their future so that the loved one living with Alzheimer's has the opportunity to be a part of that planning. Yes. And, you know, think about it, creating a, you know, a conversation in our communities about this across the lifespan really helps us to prepare even more, right? Because we all know when Alzheimer's, when Alzheimer's uh, diagnosis is made, it's almost too late to save that money, you know, to save those funds. And a lot of folks don't know that, you know, Medicare doesn't pay for long-term care. People don't know until you're in the thick of it, Mm -hmm. what, how much, how Mm -hmm. many, how much resources it takes. So we want people to know about this earlier and earlier in life. And a lot of those options are out there, right? A lot of that help, that assistance is yeah. out there. Yep. Yeah. It's just like you said, being able to know that it is, to prepare that it is, right. and, and to research that and what's best for your family yeah. and all the situations. So like you said, the, the earlier you find it, and the earlier, or even even if you're not able to find it earlier, just be prepared, right? To have a, right. like a tornado. I'm, I'm petrified of tornadoes. I'll throw that out there to anybody that doesn't know me and doesn't know that. I'm very well prepared. If a tornado comes across my neighborhood, I know what my family and I are going to do, right? right. So in that situation, you know, the same can go to this. Maybe, you know, you, there's no evidence that 
that this is in your family. There's no evidence that your mom's going to come across this or whatever. But be prepared in case, right? Have those options. Have that research done just in case. Right, right. right. Absolutely. Well, and kind of with that, too, that there's this huge rise in Alzheimer's diagnosis and and MCI, but there's not an increase in the use of resources. Mm. That People are are out seeking these resources. Um, And we're kind of wondering what that's attributed. Like, what do you think the reason is? I think, you know, that's that's primarily what we're concerned about and the work that I do day-to-day in care and support mm-hmm. um, of those living with Alzheimer's is yeah. we, we we don't just want to serve those who have Alzheimer's now. I mean, we want to continue to do that work, absolutely 100%, to provide that care and support. But we want to make sure that we're reaching people who don't know about us, right? right. Um, we want to make sure that we're, um, we're, we continue to show up in the communities where we're present, but we're showing up in communities where we haven't been present right. historically yeah. or where there may be a lack of resources so we can get them connected to those resources. Right. Right. And then um, we also want to make sure that we're raising awareness and concern, right, about this um, this disease because with people even younger who don't have signs sure. and symptoms yet yeah. um, because we want to make sure that folks um, folks can prepare. So that means, you know, we have to, we have to develop relationships. It, it can't just be done by the Alzheimer's Association. Right. We have right. to do it in partnership with other organizations yeah. in the community mm-hmm. who are um, passionate for whatever reason, like you all, about this mm-hmm. um, and want to help raise awareness in their community local. What right. we have found by far in um, hosting um, community forums or town hall style events, I think we've been hosting them for four or five years now um, throughout the country, and the number one thing that we learned is people want more education yeah. and they want it where they already are, right? They want it yeah. in their churches. Yeah. They want yeah. it in their civic league. They want yeah. it in their community organizations. Yeah. And then, they, you know, and so that's that's the tactic that we're using. Right. Um, it's a movement. It yeah. really is a yeah. movement yeah. that we're that we're leading. Yeah. And like you said, people are people are hungry for the knowledge. They're hungry for the education, but kind of not necessarily hungry to go out and get it. Right. They want it to be, yeah. like you said, in their area. Yeah. In where they, and that's fine, too. Right. We all have busy lives and I can't necessarily travel or do or do all sorts of things. So. Like you said, to be able to provide that knowledge, that education in their area, and to be able to reach all these different these different areas, I think I think is crucial. Yeah. Um, what do you think attests to the current kind of lack of awareness? Right? I mean, because we we're talking about awareness a lot today, and and all that. What do you think is contributing to why people just just don't know right now? What is contributing to the lack of awareness? I I think it's um, it's culturally historical that we don't talk about this disease. Sure. It's a stigma yeah. um, for all the reasons that we've you know, we talked about. Yeah. You know, because of that stigma, doctors aren't talking about. It, um, patients aren't talking about it. I think um, I think this is a very, for a lot of reasons, it's a very exciting time around this disease, though, because. As the science is progressing, we already have the first treatment that's been approved by the FDA, Aduhelm, um, which uh, went on the market in June of 2021. There are medications that are, are going to come behind that very soon. I, I spoke to you about, um, you know, the advances in, in diagnosing. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, a science around the prevention of the disease. Um, and so I think all of those are, all of those pieces advancing are really going to shift the healthcare community. Right. Mm-hmm. right, because there is going to be a, an easier way, a more affordable way to diagnose 
and then a treatment that can be given. It's likely going to look like something that we experience with heart disease or diabetes, right? Like, here's a medication, here's a lifestyle change, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, go home, take this medication, you know, make these changes, come back and see me, let's see where you are. That's really what we're we're trying to do to either prevent cognitive decline Mm -hmm. or slow the rate of cognitive decline if it started. Yeah, I know we mentioned before too as well, kind of when we were talking about, you know, kind of like a pre-production of, if you talk, if you take care of your heart, you're then in turn taking care of your brain too, right? So if there's ways to, like you said before, the cardiovascular health to promote that cardiovascular health as well, take care of your heart. And then in in turn, you're going to also be taking care of your brain, which which could help you in the long run, whether it's, you know, a a heart support supplement, obviously, you know, exercise and and routinely trying to build that cardiovascular health or health rather anything like that is going to assist in the process. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we kind of, we kind of touched a little bit on the science Um, and you were bringing up uh, the two studies. Um, Do you mind elaborating a bit on, we've got like the U.S. Wiener study first. Yes. Um, Just elaborating what, what is that? So, you know, the science on prevention, you know, we talked a little bit about diagnosis and and the treatment, um, treatments, but a big part of combating disease is prevention, right? And we can see this with any, any illness, um, whether it's um, diabetes, heart disease, it could be HIV AIDS, all of those things. Prevention is a huge factor in combating the disease and and its impact. So um, the Alzheimer's Association is right now funding the country's largest study in the prevention of Alzheimer's. It's called the U.S. Pointer Study. And it's a two-year clinical trial that's looking at really a holistic lifestyle change in folks um, that have what we would consider suboptimal um, uh, lifestyle, meaning that they they don't eat the greatest, their diet may not be the greatest, their exercise might not be the greatest. And um, they may over the age of 65 and uh, maybe at risk for for Alzheimer's. So um, that study is now underway. Um, I think 2023, I think, is the the, the year that it will conclude. Um, so this will be monumental. We already know that there's science out there that shows that um, a healthy heart, healthy diet yeah. um, uh, and um, regular exercise are uh, having impacts on the brain. We just need to broaden that base of research in right. order to say that and right. assert that. Mm-hmm. And this study is a part, what's really exciting, it's a part of an international study called the Worldwide Finger Study. Mm. Um, so this study is going on in countries, it actually started in Finland, um, but it is going on in, I think, 20, I think now it's like 20 plus countries oh, around, the, around, the, uh, around the world. Um, and those scientists are sharing that data, right? right. They're yeah. developing their interventions, yeah. learning from each other, and sharing that data um, so that this would impact people all around the world, which is really exciting. And the other study, I think, um, which is is really, really exciting, is called the Sprint Mind Study. And the Sprint Mind Study is a study that's looking at um, controlling systolic blood pressure, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it is an intervention with uh, medication, blood pressure medication, and lifestyle intervention, so diet and exercise, to help um, control um, blood pressure and keep it at 120 systolic blood pressure at 120 and below. And what it found um, was that it actually decreased risk for Alzheimer's and dementia and MCI anywhere from 12 to 15 percent. So what that tells us is we already have an intervention, including a medication that's already FDA approved, on the market that shows impact on dementia, on risk for dementia. So so that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Building that base of, like you said, what is good for our hearts is good for our brain. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what that that, um, body of research is really. And like you said, finding a baseline to know that, hey, there's stuff out there. What, what we're coming up, there, there's already this evidence out there that this supports all these studies, right. support this this hypothesis. 
first of the thesis, if you will, um, that kind of backs all that up. Yeah. yeah. And I think, and, go ahead. Sorry. I think also kind of having these very, very easy to access. I mean, these are pretty simple things like you said, lifestyle change, an FDA approved medicine. Um, it almost makes that a little less, I think, intimidating if you sure. were to kind of hear that from your doctor. It's like, but here are some things that we've seen work. Right. Um, and I think that can be like really reassuring to, to make you more yeah. comfortable to have yeah. conversation if there's kind of something that you could try. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, right now, it, you know, you could, and, and I don't want to, for your listeners to, you know, um, mislead them. Like, you can live a very healthy lifestyle, right, and still develop oh, fair. Sure. Yeah. Alzheimer's yeah, yeah. and dementia, right? Yeah. Um, but what we're finding is that these these lifestyle choices elevate our risk. Right. So right. even if, you know, like your family, you could have heart disease that runs in your family, mm-hmm. and you can't change, right, that, you know, genetic link, that family yeah. history. Right. But you can change the way that you eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. choose, change the fact that you smoke, yep. what yep. your exercise, you know, what your exercise level right. is, right. Um, how you take care of yourself to minimize that risk. It doesn't mean you won't develop mm-hmm. heart disease at some yeah. point, but it could minimize your, like your chances. Right. And, yeah. and, and maybe delay win. it. Yeah, yeah. Right. exactly. So it's not dropping the, the percentage to zero, right? right? But, but it's dropping it enough. And Absolutely. Wh- why not take the chance, right? Why not try? Absolutely. Like, hey, if, if I've got a shot to diminish this a little bit, why not take those options right Absolutely. and see if that's going to help? Um, so, so I know the Alzheimer's Association has a, has a ton of resources that are completely free, right, via the, the website. Um, so kind of what are some of those resources or some of the sources someone can, can find there? So number one is education. Um, sure. As we've been talking about, we want to make sure that folks have access to education um, when they want it, when they need it in their community. Um, so we provide education throughout, um, throughout the Commonwealth, throughout the country, um, wow. in communities all over the country. We're always looking to develop relationships with various communities and community partners. So if you're one of those, um, you want to partner with us to, to bring education to your community, um, we would love to do that. But this education can range anywhere from what are the warning signs of the disease to sure. what is um, healthy living for your brain and body, yeah. mm-hmm. all the way to skills that are very specific um, in caregiving roles like communications and behaviors. And then we have our support groups, right? Our sure. support groups yeah. are kind of how the organization started yeah. was by a set of support groups. And so caregiver support groups and support groups for those living with a diagnosis um, are also available throughout the country. They're peer-led, peer-run. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not only places where you can go and get emotional support, but they're places where you can learn some pretty practical information, mm-hmm. right? That's a lot of people think support group and they think it's just all emotion, but really right. people yeah. will come and share, this happened to me i didn't know how to handle it and another caregiver's been through it and we'll share how they hey this is what i did in that situation yeah Yeah. exactly right um and and we have all a lot of um access to education and information on our website as well um we do all kinds of programming with faith communities to bring awareness raising to faith communities as Mm -hmm. well so um there are all kinds of ways that we can really help communities to spread awareness and education around this and i think something that would greatly benefit people um we kind of talked about uh care consultations and screenings absolutely it's right out of the gate if you if you're even unsure that's a fantastic place to start yeah absolutely it would it is our vision uh, to have a world without alzheimer's yeah. mm-hmm. i will say for for the moment as well you know we vision in the care and support realm that every person who is worried about their loved one every person who receives a diagnosis every person who wants to learn more about the alzheimer's about alzheimer's or any other type of dementia would know about the alzheimer's association right. and mm-hmm. could call our helpline 
thing yeah. first. Like that yeah. would be first. Um, and that helpline is 365 days a year, 24-7. Um, there is a, a, a trained professional there to answer those calls. And, you know, those calls can range anywhere from I just want to sign up for a program to what what is Alzheimer's right. all the way to being in the middle of a crisis with your loved one and trying to get the help that you need. And that's so valuable because I, Mary uh, was actually on that call with us earlier. Yeah. Um, and she mentioned, you know, it's Christmas Day and, you know, mom who has Alzheimer's is really overwhelmed and, and all of a sudden this is happening. Yeah. You know, yeah. to have someone that you can turn to that's a professional at any time, right. I think is just so valuable. I didn't know that you had that. Right. I didn't think about it. Right. And and I think that's that's so valuable for people to know exist. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, when Katie's off doing podcasts with Middlewood, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. I have a colleague um, who is there answering that helpline. Yeah. And yeah. what's really great about it is they, um, that, that, that helpline is really connected to our local field offices, our chapters, right. so that when local follow-up is needed, um, if, if a question can't be answered or if there are local resources that that, that, that person particularly needs, they have a way of communicating that need for right. us and we can do a follow-up call. Yeah. It's, it's all relevant to you right. personally too. That's right. Matter. Yeah, it's great. So we encourage folks to call um, that helpline again. That's one eight hundred two seven two thirty nine hundred, and I know it'll be on on your notes yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll absolutely. definitely include that down there. And, and so, like you said, it's definitely not a. It's not just a screening phone call, right? Like we'll take this in. Okay, we got your information. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Like that, we're you guys are doing a lot to try to actually assist in these situations absolutely. live and in time. Absolutely. I'd love to get into before we let you out of here, Kitty. I'd love to go into kind of a call to action, right? I know you've mentioned a few things a little bit earlier, but so what are what are some ways, again, some calls to action that people can take, um, whether it's somebody that just wants to be a part, like you said, somebody's just passionate about this and they just want to be a part of it, um, or, or, or any from any other walks of life. What are some calls to action you would recommend and say, hey, this is this is what we would recommend you guys do? I'm so glad you asked this question because I think um, this is central to us ending Alzheimer's, sure. is really making this a, a, a movement that all communities are a part of. Yeah. So first of all, um, um, we want to make sure that if you don't know um, about resources, if your community isn't connected to resources, if you live in a community where there isn't um, this conversation going on, we want you to contact your local Alzheimer's chapter um, to say, um, I, I want my community involved in what you're doing. Right. Um, and so that can take many forms. As I mentioned before, we host these town hall community conversations all over the country, um, and we that is an opportunity for us to hear hear from the community, to learn from the community about what the challenges are related to this disease, particular um, to their particular part of the world, wow. yeah. and then for us to work together with that community to develop interventions. Right. So that could be having volunteers that run a support group who regularly provide education, making sure we're getting more awareness out about the helpline so people are using it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are all different ways that we can work in that capacity. But we need folks to get involved yeah. in that piece. Right. Also, as our walk to end Alzheimer's, so thank you all for being a 2021 sponsor <laughs> of um, the Peninsula Walk to End Alzheimer's in Newport News, Virginia. Um, it is uh, our by far our um, the event that people know the most yeah. about us. Um, yeah. Those those walks happen in the fall, generally around the country, um, and they are in communities all over the country. And so you can start by just being a walker, right, mm-hmm. and signing up at yeah. alz.org forward slash walk and becoming a walker. Um, you can sit on a committee to help um, plan wow. for that uh, walk um, or your company or organization 
organization can be mm-hmm. a sponsor. Yeah. Um, and we are we would be excited to share with you those opportunities. Um, our other signature event is the longest day. Um, so the longest day is coming up um, on the summer solstice in June. Mm-hmm. And um, th- this is kind of a do-it-yourself fundraiser and cool. awareness-raising campaign. So the idea is to pick something you love um, to, to do to raise awareness and funds. It all culminates on the longest day of the year, the summer solstice, but you can do it at any time. Right. So I am hiking part of the Appalachian Trail with oh, some wow. of my, um, I think we're only only going to do 16 miles, <laughs> only. but only it's, o- it's only a weekend, but sure. it's a group of women who have been impacted by the disease. So, yeah. so we're yeah. going to go out in Western Virginia and do that. Um, you can also become an advocate. I mentioned earlier that those advocates um, are responsible for increasing that research funding to $3.5 um, billion. Um, and so that means you can go to um, alz.org forward slash advocate. And um, there you can find information about signing up for alerts when we have a big bill sure. that needs, um, we need you to kind of alert your member of Congress. Yeah. Um, we'll send you messages. You can join what's called an Alzheimer's congressional team to meet with your local um, member of Congress. You can travel to Washington, D.C. Um, to our annual um, Hill Day, um, our annual what we call Alzheimer's um, uh, Forum. And we go to the Hill and we flood Capitol Hill with purple and it's really cool to <laughs> oh, see yeah. and be a part of. Um, so there is something for everyone. I was going to say, yeah, yeah when, when I when I mentioned that and I said that question, I wasn't expecting that to go on. Yeah. But, but hey, there, I think we hit a little something for everybody like yeah. you said. And, and hey, if, if you want to get involved in this, I believe we probably crossed something for you. So you, you you heard it here first, right from her. There's these these are some calls to action that we can take. So with that, with the calls to action, how can somebody get in touch with you, your organization, somebody a representative from the association, um, f- for further information about any of those calls? Again, like when wherever you are across the country, you can call that helpline. There is a local chapter that is connected to your community, so you can call that twenty four seven helpline. Ask to get connected to your local chapter. Again, you can go to alz.org. There, right when you go to that website, there's a little space where you can put in your zip code. It'll put you right um, in touch with your local chapter. Well, fantastic, fantastic. Absolutely. Well, hey, guys, thank you so much to Katie McGonna for joining us today um, on this episode. And thank you all for listening. If you have any questions for us about this episode or just in general, please feel free to reach out to us at Minnowood or Facebook.com, rather, slash Minnowood. And we would love to answer anything like that or answer any of those questions for you or just conversate in general. As always, thank you so much again, and we will see you on the next one.